Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 281 of Unsupervised Learning. Hope you're having a good week so far. Starting off with security news, DarkSide, the ransomware group that ransomed, or ransomwared, I don't know what the verb is for that, that attacked Colonial has largely gone dark after its servers and Bitcoin were seized by presumably the U.S. government. Uh, no one's saying for sure yet, but seemed logical. And its blog, payments, collection site, and CDN have gone offline. The most interesting thing to me about this is that the attack appears to have been somewhat accidental. They were supposedly, even before this, like a Robin Hood type of group who said that they didn't go after churches, didn't go after hospitals and stuff like that. And that, and, and they came out afterwards and said, yeah, we definitely don't do that. We're going to be much more careful in the future. But their stuff still got taken offline. Like I said last week, there's only so much goodwill that you can give when you're mailing pipe bombs around the country. Can't really talk about how you're being safe about it. No such thing, really. So, yeah, so they're kind of taken offline, and uh, lots of other similar groups are now just basically finding Jesus and uh, coming out and talk about, talking about how moral they are. A whole bunch of, like, underground groups are getting rid of ransomware um, conversations within their forums and that sort of thing. And um, like I was saying, the most important thing that I saw here or the most interesting thing was that the attack was on the IT systems, not on the OT system. This was not a cyber attack. Nobody targeted the actual pipeline for oil and tried to take it offline or tried to damage it or leak it or anything like that. It was regular ransomware on the regular IT network. Now, interestingly, for a business, if your IT system is down, presumably, and again, I, I don't know this for sure, but presumably you're having trouble with other things like receiving money for, you know, the stuff that you're doing. In this case, giving people oil. So if billing is down, then kind of the whole business is down. So I wonder if that was the situation and that's why they turned it off or if they were really worried about a bleed over from IT to OT. I'm sure we'll hear more about that in the future, but Kind of the takeaway here is that if you attack an IT system for a business and take it down, then it doesn't matter if you attack the OT system or not. The whole thing is kind of disrupted because they're so interconnected. Biden signed an executive order on cybersecurity with three top highlights. One, multi-factor authentication. Two, breach disclosure requirements based on severity of the incident. And three, a star rating system for the security of software sold to the government. 
And there's more analysis here we have in the show notes. Verizon DBIR 2021. The primary trends for this year's DBIR report were web application attacks, ransomware, and credential stuffing. Uh, some other tidbits here. 85% of breaches involved a human element. Ransomware doubled to 10% of breaches over 5% last year. And external cloud assets were compromised more than on-prem assets. So it seems like it's kind of like the perimeter is being attacked. And by that, I mean the cloud. So people's cloud instances are being attacked a lot more than regular on-prem stuff. A lot of credential stuffing, which we saw, you know, trends over the last couple of years, but also web applications, which again is perimeter stuff. It's funny having a web appsec background. We've always been sort of touting this whole thing of like, it's not the network anymore. It's the web applications. And here we are in 2021 and web applications are number one. If not, you know, if not number one, it's close to the top depending on how you count it. A security researcher has found a collection of major vulnerabilities in Wi-Fi that can affect most products that are in use today. Practical attacks don't appear trivial to carry out just quite yet. You have to do a bunch of stuff server-side, and of course you have to be nearby the target and stuff like that. But this could change as the bugs are better understood and people have time to make tooling. And patches have started to come out for some vendors, but it will take time for those to roll out because we're talking about lots and lots of bugs across like thousands of products, which have come out over the last couple of decades. So quite a bit of stuff to patch. Microsoft has released a free tool called Counterfeit for testing AI-based security systems. It automates the launching of different types of attacks to see how AI-based systems respond. And they partnered with MITRE to release an attack style adversarial ML threat matrix, which sounds like gimmicky garbage, but looks to be actually pretty cool. Essentially, it's launching attacks within the MITRE framework, so you can see how your AI systems respond to them in a very sort of predictable way. OpenSSH 8.2 now works extremely well with UTF-502 security keys, meaning you can easily create a hardware-based key pair using SSH keygen switch T ECDSA switch or dash SK and have things work well without elaborate hacks of your SSH configs. So that's pretty cool. Insurer AXA recently decided not to pay out for ransomware payments. They basically made a big thing about they're not going to do it anymore because they believe it's promoting ransomware because it's a steady stream of, you know, money coming from companies like them who were paying out on cybersecurity policies. And right after saying that, it, they got ransomware. So a ransomware group called Avidon says they've stolen three terabytes of data from Axa's Asian operations, I believe some subsidiaries or just the Asian offices. So that's kind of embarrassing. The Pentagon is thinking about shutting down the Jedi Cloud Project due to all the legal drama around who it was awarded to. Amazon has been fighting the situation ever since the contract was awarded to Microsoft. 
The DHS is now monitoring public social media posts for signs of extremist beliefs and behaviors in an attempt to prevent situations like the January 6th attacks on Capitol Building. They appear to be focusing less on finding people, but rather on specific themes, narratives, and related plots. Vizio makes nearly as much money from selling your data and selling ads as it does from selling the actual TV hardware. And to me, this is yet another example where cheap often equates to subsidized by selling your data. So if you're excited about a Vizio TV and it's really big and it's really cheap, just think about what they might be gathering from you. A report from the Center for Countering Digital Hate says only 12 people are responsible, or maybe it's 12 accounts, I'm not sure if it's 12 accounts or 12 people, are responsible for 65% of COVID-related misinformation being shared online. That's a lot of magnification, 12 different, only 12 entities producing all that content. Arlington Research says 85% of customers running Microsoft 365 have suffered email data breaches. And Brian Krebs says adding Russian or Ukrainian as a virtual keyboard language will stop a lot of malware. Not all, but a whole lot. Which I think is hilarious. I don't think that'll work for long, but interesting. Microsoft Patch Tuesday analysis. There was some stuff for .NET, Exchange, and NNI. And a whole bunch more, but those were the top ones. SAP patches major flaws in Business One and NetWeaver. And MageCard hackers are hiding PHP backdoors in favicons. Ireland's publicly funded healthcare system had to shut down all of its IT systems after it was infected by ransomware. Insurance company CNA has finally recovered from their ransomware incident. And Rapid7 says their source code was accessed as part of the CodeCov supply chain hack. For companies, Security Scorecard has partnered with HackerOne to bring vulnerability data to its security ratings. This has been something that's been missing for quite a while. There have been many attempts to show real security data in these kind of companies. And uh, yeah, they partnered up with actual bounty company to do that. So that's pretty cool. Cisco has purchased Kenneth Security. Congrats to friends over there. And Panacea has raised $26.5 million to monitor the state of security controls across company assets. Technology news, GPT-NEO is a new free version of GPT-3. Biggest difference between GPT-3, which is not free, and GPT-NEO is that GPT-3 has much larger models. So GPT-NEO has, its model is like 2.7 billion parameters. While GPT-3's models go up to like 2.7 and then a whole bunch in between and then up to 175 billion parameters. Stadia, Google's video gaming service, looks to already be in major trouble. Google seems, in my view, completely unable to make a cohesively good product anymore, which is like functionality plus usability. Really don't understand how their product people are allowed to constantly fail for like a decade or more without anyone catching on that there's a problem with their products not being usable. UIs are just insane, even across like just admin portals and stuff like that. It, it just blows me away. Someone said their 
basically becoming the oracle of the tech world. And I'm starting to agree with that. Esports seems to be moving away from teams and leagues and towards influencers and streaming. And a big reason for this is that athletes, if they're part of an older esports team, which I mean older meaning like two to five years ago or whatever, they were not able to broadcast as themselves. They weren't able to stream or make videos. They had to do everything under the banner of the team. And uh, with the rise of streaming, that was definitely like hampering their brands and their ability to get their names out there. So it wasn't sustainable. And now I think the more sustainable model is individual first, connected through looser and more temporary affiliations. And my buddy Jason and I are working on uh, something like that for security called Arcanum. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned about that. And Kin has raised $64 million for data-driven home insurance. Human news. Top security experts are now saying that the lab leak theory of how COVID initially spread is not conspiracy thinking and that it needs to be taken seriously. This is something I've talked about before here at Unsupervised Learning, actually multiple times. Basically, there were legitimate political sensitivities around being anti-China during the start of this thing, right? People were just blaming everything on China, and it was, uh, you know, putting Chinese people in danger in the U.S. It's just, it was really ugly, uh, based on the last administration being in charge of that. So nobody legitimate wanted to, like, explore that, and it wasn't really important anyway, because we had to stop the virus. But at this point, it's like, yeah, there are actual labs that are have been researching this type of splicing where you're trying to add functionality to viruses. And uh, it's been going on in the U.S. for a long time. It's been going on in China for a long time and lots of other places. There are tons of papers released about how awesome it is to splice in different functionality into viruses like this. And not only that, but there have been multiple leaks in the U.S. and in China of viruses that have been modified like this. And uh, there's been tons of papers and tons of reports and tons of warnings saying, hey, this is a bad problem that we have with leaks coming out of these labs with modified versions of viruses, which could be really dangerous. And um, Fauci is actually one of the main people uh, in charge of like funding these types of labs and this types of types of uh, research. And uh, it's all in the open. Like this is not hidden conspiracy stuff. This is just regular academic research. And there's just tons of papers out there. And this is going back for years before COVID. Right? Fauci has been an expert on this stuff for decades. And so have these other groups. Um, in the U.S. and China. So nothing about this is controversial or strange or really all that interesting, other than the fact that, yes, the this COVID, this version of COVID that came out could actually be one of the products of one of these pieces of research. And um, it, basically, this piece of news is is saying that all these experts, or a number of experts, prominent experts, are saying, yeah, it's time to actually pursue this and see if this is 
what happened very well could not have been. Very well could have been just natural. But a lot of people are saying it's worth looking into. And the only reason to look into it is to say, okay, yeah, it did happen, so what? Um, let's figure out what we need to do to stop it, which we need to do anyway. Now, if someone were to get into the actual conspiracy world, it would be something more like China did it on purpose because they knew they could control the outbreak. Um, you know, if you start hearing something like that, that's pretty hardcore and that's pretty conspiratorial. And, you know, that would be an outrageous claim that requires outrageous or extraordinary claim that requires extraordinary evidence. But that's not what these experts are saying. They're just saying, yeah, this research is common. Uh, leaks are common, unfortunately. And this might have been one instance. So you should keep an eye on that. And we definitely will hear. Consumer prices, also known as inflation, rose the most since 2009 in April and caused a major disturbance in the stock market. McDonald's, Chipotle, and other companies, uh, fast food restaurants, are raising wages to address the lack of applications to open positions. China's landed its Zurong rover on Mars. Congrats to China for getting on Mars along with us. And got an article here. It's really hard to sell a book. New York Times says 98% of books sold in 2020 sold fewer than 5,000 copies. And Bookstat says 96% of online books sold fewer than 1,000 copies. Only 11 books sold more than 500,000. Kind of depressing. Consumer Reports says Tesla 3 owners, Tesla Model 3 owners, are the happiest car owners. And as one such owner, I am definitely part of that cohort. Best car I've ever owned. Target has stopped selling Pokemon cards in physical stores because of the risk of violence between uh, people trying to attain the cards. So they're still making them available, but only online. California has a $75 billion budget surplus due to higher-than-anticipated tax revenue. The University of California is dropping the SAT for admission considerations. And the firefighter community has a problem with arsonists. This kind of blew me away. Although I do remember the movie, it must have been in the 90s, it was called like Backblaze or Backblast or something. can't remember. But it had the um, FBI agent from Silence of the Lambs in it. It was Clarice's boss. Anyway, he was the firefighter and he was, well, I'll just spoil it for you. It's a 90s movie. He was the arsonist, right? So it was like, yeah. And it was a big shocker because he was the head of the fire department and he was also the guy starting all these fires. And evidently, this is a huge problem. And we were talking about in the forums as well. Evidently, um, volunteer firefighters, uh, temporary firefighters, there's a big issue with arsonists. Um, kind of like when someone is just keeps coming to the police department and they can't wait to help and they want to be like deputized and let me help you. Evidently, there's a, a strong trend in those people actually committing some crimes and they just want to be, they're, they're like super excited about the scene. They just want to be in the scene. So, uh, kind of similar, seems like, in that way. 
content ideas and analysis. The ultimate drug is belonging. I think belonging is at the bottom of most conspiracy thinking and truth denial that we see today. Facts can and will be ignored. They're coming from a group that people think has abandoned them, namely the elites, right? We see this right now with populism. We must understand this if we want to make progress in any given conversation. And it shows us very clearly why rhetoric like the deplorables does nothing but make things worse, right? If you just start insulting people because they're part of the outgroup, well, that just makes you more part of the outgroup for them as well. Which means when you come to them and say, hey, it's time to put on a mask and take a vaccine, they reject it. Or if you bring them global warming, they reject it. So the right answer is to take down that barrier and not have deplorables and elites. And uh, just kind of unify before you start the conversation. Currently reading How Innovation Works by Matt Ridley. Discovery section, The Purpose of Purpose. 43 years and 14 billion miles later, Voyager 1 is still sending us valuable data. This is like the sickest, most amazing tech project ever. 43 years old. It's 14 billion miles away. And it's still working and still sending us data. This is the best tech product ever made, period. It's like almost as good as Excel. Game developer salary comparisons. 10 Rules for Negotiating a Job Offer, an EFF Threat Modeling Lesson, Why Israel and Palestine are Fighting, and FireEye's Dark Side Gang Analysis. Recommendations. Really enjoying this hilarious improv-based podcast called A Mission to Zix. It's basically a bunch of like voice actors doing a sci-fi adventure with like ad-lib. It's like absolutely hilarious. Their ads are actually funny, too. They actually do the ads within the confines of the universe. Yeah, really creative. And the aphorism for the week. Freedom is nothing else but a chance to be better. Freedom is nothing else but a chance to be better. Albert Camus. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. And here's your next podcast.